Hello and a big welcome to the Elevate Her podcast. My name is Selena. And I'm Maika. And we're here to discuss common barriers women face in our society. And provide you with top tips and information from high achieving women from all kinds of fields to empower and inspire you to achieve your full potential and elevate your life. Hey team! Welcome back to another episode of the Elevate Her podcast. Today, we are joined by Claudine Schmuck, founder of the Gender Scan Survey, which aims to develop indicators on gender balance in STEM across the globe in order to promote action towards equal involvement of women and men in STEM jobs. Claudine has extensive experience working in both the political and STEM world and now specializes in innovation and gender consulting. In today's episode, we discuss how and why Claudine created the Gender Scan Survey, the common challenges women face in STEM fields, and how we can change things for the better in the future. So without further ado, let's dive right into the episode. Okay, so we're live. Yeah, we're live. Claudine, welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much um, for coming on here. It's an honor to have you. So if you could maybe start by introducing yourself and how you got to where you are now. Well, actually, I studied in uh, France and in the United States, France in the Institute of Political Science and in the United States at the Columbia School of Business plus Columbia School of International Affairs. And in between that, I worked for cabinets of ministries, of various ministries. So I got to, to see, you know, political life from the inside. And while doing that for the French uh, government at that time, I understood that we, we were missing some sort of global perspective, which is why actually I went to Colombia. I've always been fascinated by um, new technologies, innovations, and so forth. Uh, while I was at Colombia, uh, I was writing articles for this magazine, and I was sort of following up on, again on new technologies and innovations and so forth. And I offered them to write some papers on the various subjects. And it became a really hot topic in those days. And this is actually how I entered McKinsey. And I met, thanks to McKinsey, uh, Nicolas Negroponte. Uh, Nicolas Negroponte was then the president of the Media Lab at MIT. And he concluded our seminar by saying, you know, you can talk about HGTV, you can talk about everything you want, but, you know, the future is digital. Forget forget about analog. The future will be nothing else but digital. Uh, in 87, 88, that was, you know, a little bit in advance. And I can assure you that the businessmen that were listening to, to him in Japan and in Europe, who had invested billions in, in, in an analog technology, they were looking at him like, you know, aghast. Oh no, that's not true. It's not going to happen. But that's the way I entered the digital world. When I was uh, younger, a student, as you at the Institute of Political Science, I had another mentor, but then she was not alive anymore. It was Simone de Beauvoir. (laughs) Thanks to her, I never perceived being a woman as a disadvantage. Never, ever. Mm. Um, I never found it as something which prevented me from doing what I wanted. I think what, when you were strong-minded, you can, you, can, you can build your own track without any too much problems. But then when I turned 40, I started to realize that I still was the only woman 
in so many meetings <laughs> in the digital world, all right? We were very, very, very few. And as a result of which, I started working on the gender balance issue. And that's led me basically to build what I do right now, which is fight for equal involvement of women in tech and technologies. So like another question we actually had was about the main barriers you faced um, in your career. Well, to be quite frank, I haven't at all experienced obstacles as a woman. And I think that when you're very determined, I was also very, very, very lucky because basically uh, the president of the think tank that I was into, like the Club de l'Arche, Jean-Michel Billot, was sort of, you know, welcoming equally men and women. The president of Bull, which was the company, uh, the, one of the group I've worked for, um, also was uh, forward-thinking. Francis Lawrence was just an, an is, is still actually an incredible personality, which is very. He, 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 they didn't create any obstacles, so I didn't. I didn't sort of really experience any obstacle, but then I saw around me that it was not always the case. I was very lucky because I I read Simone de Beauvoir and it inspired me, and I fought my way through, and I never perceived any disadvantage. But I think it, when you're a little bit shy, and particularly in the, in the engineering and scientific field, where sort of you know you, there are stereotypes against women that women have to fight, like you know, you're not you're not good in math, girl. You're not meant to work in STEM, girl. You know, yeah. uh, two two years ago, this was there, there was this incredible uh, a story at Google where there was this letter of an engineering writing down. Women are not to work in IT. They're too emotive. They're too irrational. And this reflects a mentality which, in fact, has grown over the past years instead of decreasing. Perhaps I was lucky because I was among the first. And I, I mean, there was not those kinds of barriers. IT has grown as a power industry, right? Yeah. And as a power industry, what you see in all industries is when they grow that way, then yeah. the power of women diminishes. You know, it's even the same if you look, for instance, at the movie industry, which is a totally different industry. Look at the history. It's really, really telling. The first pioneering were women. We've had some discussions about this and yeah. how we can change yeah, this, how, this you know, kind of behavior. How, yeah. Well, how... I think that basically it, it seems to me that right now uh, perhaps this evolution is sort of stopped. Perhaps that's not for sure, but it might be a little bit stopped. First of all, because I think um, the boys, the, the men of your generation are different. So I'm not sure that the same mentality would be encountered by, by women of your age. So I think the environment is not as tough as it has been, but there is still that risk because while I think that young guys are more open and uh, broad-minded, what, what I do see also is a conflicting influence of media uh, social networks, video games, and so forth. And it seems to me that, you know, I, I think there is a negative impact of uh, social networks because it tends to push young people into conformist behavior. If yeah. you raise your head a little too higher than the others on social yeah. networks, you, you, your throat is cut very quickly, right? Yeah. It's very tough. It's extremely violent. And as a result of which, uh, young people tend to have really extremely stereotyped behaviors. Mm -hmm. And to me, that's a negative impact on girls because yeah. the behaviors of girls 
on social network is very like you know we're chatting we're that's we're discussing yeah. uh, uh fashion uh we're buying stuff it's just, it's just uh, gossip that's yeah. all we do <laughs> right so you see there are many conflicting uh, elements on, on the whole thing positive and negative at the same time Yeah, so so in this part we also were wondering um, if you have like some maybe specific advices how we can enable more women to step up and shape tomorrow's world. Do you think we should start also changing how women are taught at universities, in School. schools? Well, I, I it's 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 not an easy subject. Sociological stereotypes are very very different from one country to the other. For instance, take. Um, uh, Sweden or Finland or Norwegian. In those countries, the girls have no complex of inferiority versus boys. And in fact, they are just as good as boys in math and science. If you look at the results of the OECD performs a survey every four years and tests uh, the level of girls and boys, 16 years old boys and girls. Um, this survey is really uh, providing a striking example of the differences among the various countries. These northern countries often have cultures that are equal, right? And as a result of which, you know, they do not have any problem, any barriers, and you could say it's okay. But then what happens is that because of other stereotypes, like, you know, taking the responsibility for the family, or for whatever is around them and so forth, and as a result of which, even though uh, girls in a primary and secondary school have no complex and are good, they still are few to choose to study STEM, science and technology. So they have they are free to make the choice, but they do not make the choice for other stereotypes. Then in France and in England, I think, if I remember properly the, the result of the PISA survey, it's the opposite. Basically, the boy, girls have you know, lower results than boys in the PISA survey. And in a school environment, because they ask questions about how they perceive themselves and etc., yeah. they have a real complex, they have a much stronger complex of inferiority in school than outside school, which means, which is a very revealing thing. It tells, yeah. what does it tell you? Uh, it tells you basically that um, the teacher do not convey a very positive image of yeah. girls themselves right and there uh, th there would be an issue with how do you convince teachers that girls can perform as well as boys yeah. that's not easy and uh, that would be the fight to focus on so you see on the, in different countries the levers are not are not the same in france in addition you have parents surveys have been done on that uh, when the girls are before three years after before leaving secondary school that's when they're supposed to choose you know deeper teachings and so forth well, it shows that uh, boys with the same level as, as girls will be pushed to go into STEM, whereas girls will be pushed to go in literature or businesses and so forth. So there is the role of educators, the role of parents, to which you have to add uh, the, the, the role of media and leisure. So the solutions are not easy. They are systemic. You have to find systemic answers, and that's long-term fight because it's changing perceptions and it's not an easy thing. And then you also have short-term solution, which are basically uh, actions that can be implemented by NGOs, associations, and so forth, which are basically trying to reach those girls and, and convey positive messages 
tell them about you know the role and impact of women in these fields provide them with images that will inspire them and 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 make them want to work in these fields has this been implemented in france recently i think you have founded the science factor challenge yeah so based on this diagnostic i truly developed a science factor to try to find a solution i tried to leverage the fact that girls when they make a choice of study and job we, t we tend to be more focused than than boys recently because it's changing again but we tend to be more focused on what does it what purpose does it serve does it is it helpful or useful for the community boys are much more uh, career oriented realistic uh, if i may say so um thinking about remuneration perspective yeah. of uh, you know growing in a specific area and so forth so they have multiple criteria in their choice Girls tend to be much more, first of all, influenced by parents and by this notion of purpose. With uh, Science Factor, what I did was first to invite girls and boys to invent, to present solutions, tech solutions, which are uh, useful to the community. What we tell them is, you know, look around yourself, identify your problem, when you've identified that problem, try to build a tech-based, try to identify a tech-based solution. One of the things I'm the proudest, I'm very proud of, is the fact that we have, you know, girls and boys from all environment, very modest, as well as uh, high up, whatever. They have, it's yeah. very diverse. It's very open. It's not. It's very inclusive in, in you know, the, the way it works. So yeah. when you have those little girls from what we call a rep in France, which is one of the lowest social environments possible in France. Yeah. And uh, and they present you this little project. Whenever you're focused on what you're doing, yeah. none of these stupid stereotypes consist, you know, is a barrier any longer because you're just focused on what you're doing. When girls understand what the technology is for, you know, yeah. there is no stereotype that, you know, holds anymore and no barrier. And all those teams of teenagers they sort of you know show that you know they're they're determined to move forward and and with a new form of innovation which is very very powerful and yeah. girls are as good as boys in that do you think women struggle a lot in stem or like in other fields and they don't put themselves forward. Well, the, 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 there is one test that was done by a research institute uh, in a European country where basically uh, they were asking to girls uh, and boys to do a mathematic test. The same test was presented but as a creative exercise. Okay. Yeah. When the test was presented as math, the results of girls were systematically lower than that of boys. When the test was presented as a creative exercise, they were as good, if not better. I mean, the lack of confidence leads to the problem you just mentioned. Yeah, I think it's it's so insightful what you're saying about these young girls, you know, just when they immersed in, in an environment that is, you know, supportive of their mm -hmm. ideas and where they being put forward as well as being valuable, I think they just forget about the stereotypes. And I don't know about you, Micah, 
But I really felt an imposter syndrome when I started when I started my PhD. It was like, what am I doing here? I'm not supposed to be here. Like I'm not good enough. Look at all these people. Like they're so good. But actually, when I immerse myself in my subject, then I forget about what people may think of me or like if I'm worth being here or not. Because in the end, like this is my work and I'm doing my best to do my work. I don't know what you think, Michael. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think it's what makes you comfortable at the end. Then. Yeah. And then if you're comfortable, um, you're then more likely to share with other people and uh, to express yourself as well. So that's how I've experienced it as well. Yeah. Yeah. Past. yeah. yeah. And then there is also a way of not, not being shy. I remember that when I was working for the cabinet, you know, we were in a this private jet with the ministry and so forth. And there and there was the, the chief cabinet who was, you know, was one of the few women on board, except the ministry, she, she was a woman then. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, still, I mean, the guy was came to me and said, oh, Claudine, um, I have, you know, this button on the jacket which is not holding. Can you perhaps saw it for me? And I'm saying, oh, how, inter- how interesting. And I gave it to another technical advisor and I said, can you do it? Because I can't. And you just have, you know, you just you just have to be like that. You have to be punchy and never let yourself go down or whatever when, when, when such a remark are done. And these sexist behavior are very, very frequent. So you just have to educate yourself not to let you go down because you have such a sexist behavior. And those are, I think, would be the thing that women need to, 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 to be ready to fight, right? But with sense of humor, I think that the most powerful thing is sense of humor. <laughs> but did you ever have the feeling of being tired of fighting? I had, you know, like sometimes uh, tough things like, you know, some people telling me, you know, you're like a little fly, we're going to crush you on the floor. Uh, you look at them like if you don't understand that they feel stupid. <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know? Just, they, they tell you a bad thing and, and you yeah. say, what do you mean exactly? I'm not sure I understand. I mean, basically, you have to have a, a very, you know, tough skin. Let it let it glide over you. And But sometimes I must say that I have friends who are top engineers. And sometimes women do face very, very tough behaviors uh, in, in these industries. Definitely. Unfortunately. Definitely. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's really sad. I think we really need to change this. So maybe like we're going to talk about the gender scan. Really interested in me as well was your recent initiative to implement official country-specific rankings of STEM universities by the proportion of graduate, graduated women. So can you tell us a little bit more about that? Because I find this so good. The gender scan is a survey we've I've been, I've been developing for quite a few years right now. And to launch the survey of this year, it's, it was launched on uh, March 2021. I thought that the best way to do that in a meaningful manner was to write a call for action global, because we have 100, 150 partners worldwide, to build attention and build awareness. What I fight for is equal involvement of women in STEM, because I believe that we avoid mistakes when we uh, invent technologies of the future with women and men's eyes and intelligence. That's my fight. To enable that, uh, you have to work both uh, on what happens at university. Education first, but it's a long story. But university is something where we can have leverage more easily and jobs. For education, 
gender scan, as I was telling you, is building collective intelligence, leveraging collective intelligence to build common knowledge and move forward, right? In India, in January 2020, they have implemented this uh, uh, approach of building an index for STEM studies. And I thought, wow, that's a simple, effective, good idea. It's a simple and effective way of building attention and building awareness, right? More than a ranking, it's building an index. But Gender Scan, the global survey, which has been launched in March, is basically uh, targeting four specific audiences this year. I have built a questionnaire for teenagers to see what motivates or doesn't motivate girls versus boys regarding uh, digital technologies. The second uh, target is students, just to try to understand how comfortable boys and girls feel with their study, what they appreciate, what they do not appreciate. Mm-hmm. And we're also building a whole series of questions on the issue of sexism. We think that it can be addressed very simply by you know, building a common awareness and also uh, d- developing a alert mechanism so mm-hmm. that women do not feel alone when such a thing happens. So there is the questionnaire for students. There is a third one for entrepreneurs and in- independent. And the last for employees. Okay, yeah, that sounds, sounds great. really good. Yeah. yeah, I really like the idea about teenagers. But about, you know, sexism, at Imperial College, to be fair, like, because I've been studying, and we have been studying more like biological sciences. Yes. So, you know, in this field, it's funny because you have 50 yeah. 50, you know, I've got some stats. If we compare the Department of Life Sciences and Mathematics, in Life Sciences, we have 50% of postgraduate research students. And in math, we have 20% of PGR who are women. Women, yeah. This is just crazy. And in the Faculty of Engineering, only 28% of the undergraduates are women, and same percentage for the PGR students. Yeah, it's 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 in line with the average worldwide and global average. Basically, if you look at STEM only, um, and uh, the percentage of women globally in STEM studies is of 31%. You are in an area where it's traditionally like 50-50. Uh, there is another area in STEM which is 50-50, which is agronomy. There tends to be also 50% men and 50% women, and even sometimes more women than men. Yeah. And uh, in the environment, that's also a growing trend. There are more and more women in the environment, engineering environment. And um, I heard a bit about you know how in North Africa and in the Middle Eastern countries, there's a lot of women actually in STEM, like studying STEM, but then they don't access the job market. Yeah. Yeah. So we yeah. Want what your opinion is on that? Uh, well, actually, first time I, 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 you know, I built this type of global data, I was amazed by the percentage of women in, in STEM in Middle East and North Africa. What seems to be very, very important is the role of parents. I was telling you that parents are in, in France and some European countries are those who have a very stereotyped view of technical careers. It's yep. the contrary in Middle East and North Africa. It's the total contrary. And again, referring to the PISA survey for those countries of the Middle East and North Africa who've participated to it, what you see is absolutely amazing. The fact that girls have better, much better results than boys. Okay, it's not equal. It's higher, right? And not only do they have better results than boys, 
But the second thing, which was a totally amazing for me, is the fact that they have no complex of inferiority whatsoever. Some of them, some elements of explanation are provided by qualitative survey, and what they highlight and emphasize mm-hmm. is the fact that basically parents are really pushing their girls. So the role of parents is, is seems to be absolutely extremely important. Mm-hmm. However. Uh, uh, when they, you know, when they grow older after the university, then the whole uh, issue of social distribution, role of, you know, of roles in those society is there, and mm-hmm. it's it's so heavy that in fact, you know, the the, the excess of women to, to jobs is really very very low. So they have this fantastic wealth in terms of knowledge, which they don't leverage because women have so are so few to access the labor. You know, that is it's it's kind of amazing. It's really kind of amazing. But I wouldn't be surprised to see that you know there would be a boost that we I can't see in figures yet. But uh, there would be more and more women moving into digital businesses, building their own businesses, particularly since they don't have to can do it from home, right? Yeah. So to the extent that they have access to networks and so forth. I wouldn't be surprised to see like, you know, uh, lots of women in, in these uh, new uh, digital technologies. It's amazing. They are 45 percent of uh, they represent 45 percent to 50 percent of, you know, by of, of graduates uh, in STEM in, in Middle East and North Africa. And only five percent, five percent of uh, jobs, of STEM jobs. It's it's so interesting because when you talk about this, I just realize how it's such like country specific issue, like for every country. I think every government has to take a step and like do what they have to do specifically for their issues in yeah. their countries. But it's like I think but most it's, people need to raise awareness. Yeah, it, yeah. it's a cultural yeah. thing as well. It's yeah. it's a huge issue. But what's what you see the, the, the what 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 I'm trying to do with gender scan is yeah right it's very very specific and the more the more I work on it the more I I understand how how true it is. Mm. However, um, you see for instance in India, girls uh, women represent also 40 to 50 percent of students in STEM studies, right? Uh, but there is an issue of uh, gender balance and etc., and which is why the government has implemented this uh, solution I was mentioning before. Sharing knowledge across countries, uh, thanks to what we're trying, what we're building, is a good way uh, yeah. to move forward. For instance, earlier today I was working with um, uh, meeting perhaps potential new partners in Africa. And I met those fantastic people in Africa, uh, which are just doing an incredible work with women working in agronomy and so forth. And they're building whole businesses with, you know, new agricultural models, recycling and the money they're making. They're reinventing in biological culture, education of girls, that girls uh, are more uh, literate and, and, and it's just, it's, I mean, the women who are doing these jobs in Burkina Faso or in other countries, it's just, I mean, yeah. they are so, I mean, amazing, the job they're doing. And that, that's something I'd like to share also, the, the, yeah. the, the way the women are doing their job in their part in Africa, mm-hmm. uh, fertilizing the country, be, building a sustainable growth models. Yeah. Wow. Another question um, we had for you was your opinion on remote working. 
So do you think um, it promotes or prevents better career management and work balance? And do you think specifically to COVID um, now the situation, the pandemic, do you think it has affected um, women's careers compared to men's? Well, that's a subject on which uh, we, were go we are going to be investigating in the 2021 survey more extensively. Now, the first set of research which has been published we tend to demonstrate that the remote work has been detrimental to women. Detrimental for very simple reasons, such as the fact that, you know, when you have a family, the person who will keep the office on his own will be the guy, and the woman will be the, in the space, which is open space, with uh, children coming up, popping up and here and there whatsoever. As a result of which, the, the time you, you, you have to work is less important than that of men and yeah. that uh, there have been research conducted in in Brazil demonstrated that in research the number of publications of women has been boo, going down whereas that of men poor stable right and I would I wouldn't be surprised to see how this has uh, affected globally women in innovation and R&D that's an element the second element in France, I don't know to which extent it's true globally or not, and that's a, net, a topic we're going to research, is uh, the subject of violence. In, in the, in the 21, 2021 survey, we're going to research violence, um, the impact on the number of hours worked. We're trying to get men and women to answer, so we're going to try to, to build a comparison. And specific research will be conducted for those women working in R&D and, and innovation was very keen on developing leading edge you know, practices because the issue is basically right now we're again we're changing paradigm so we don't i mean i i think right now uh, uh we have to be forward thinking if you don't want to be a victim you have to anticipate and accept that the scenario will not be that positive and i think that you have to think through the fact that there might this problem will occur again and again we're not going to be we have to make progress in the way we, we, we face that, so that, that problem, right? There is no other way than more remote work. We're, we're not going to, be, to get back to the world of before. We're, we're going to get back to better balance between work, at, you know, work in the office and work at home, but definitely work at home is going to be part of the picture, right? So we have to invent and think of a better way to live for it, yeah. a more equal way for men and women. So maybe um, one more advice, which probably would be interesting for our yeah. listeners as well, is um, what would what would you advise young women who are trying to incorporate motherhood together with their career? Oh, yeah, very simple. Talk it thoroughly with the man you're with. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> Just get to understand what his reaction will be, and therefore anticipate so that, you know, if he doesn't uh, want to take his part, it's you have to anticipate, but if it's okay, it's okay, right? But do not, again, my conviction is life is don't be a victim. And definitely child is, for me, it was one of the most precious thing I've ever lived in my whole life. And so take time to think through it. To me, it's, it's, it's one of our privilege. So I understand yeah. perfectly that for some women, it's not. I mean, I will never you know, contest that or say it's not true. And so try to live through it in the best possible manner. And then we have two final questions. The first one is, so to you, what is the most important quality trait to have for achieving your goals? Sense of humor. Okay. Humor. Love. Okay, good. And the second one is, um, what is your favorite word and why? <laughs> a 
apart from humor. Yeah, <laughs> apart from humor. Wow. Just for a joke, I would say supercalifragilisticexpedilicious. <laughs> okay, that is a good one. A little bit, you know, a little bit of fantastic, a little bit of uh, we don't know what, but it's important. Definitely. <laughs> okay, no, Thanks so much. That was <laughs> thanks amazing. so much, Claudine. Thank you. Okay. Bye bye. Thank you so much for listening today. We hope you enjoyed this conversation with Claudine as much as we did. You can participate in the GenderScan survey by following the link in the show notes. Please make sure you answer Elevate Her when filling in the questionnaire. And finally, we would really appreciate it if you could rate and subscribe to this podcast, as well as share it around you so that we can reach and empower more people to elevate their lives. <laughs>